Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Great to have you with us. Crazy times, right? President Biden in Ireland for what appears to be a taxpayer-funded nostalgia trip. Ireland, the home of his ancestors, Jill Biden not with Joe, his sister Valerie and famous son Hunter are. It seems to me that we ought to be able to demand reparations from Ireland of some sort from the old country for what the old sod has done to our country. It's in the trillions of dollars, I tell you. Security breach on the president's visit. Travel documents found lying about on a Belfast street they were. Sensitive stuff, too. Travel documents, police names, jobs of officials. A rough itinerary as well, but Tipperary wasn't on the itinerary. I couldn't resist that. I shouldn't make fun of a security breach of any sort. Not with all of the security breaches and leaks afflicting the Biden regime. They still don't know who or how someone leaked a bunch of top-secret documents from the Pentagon, leaked them to social media. But it's a big deal, revealing top-secret intelligence on Ukraine, China, spying on our allies, who knows what else. Other breaches include those top-secret documents, of course, taken by President Biden himself over his half-century in government, who then ordered a raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home to take his documents from four years as president. And now, according to the congressmen and the senators who've seen the so-called top-secret documents, none of them has anything to do with national security. In other words, not really top-secret documents, which means that it was all about politics and intimidation as played always by the Marxist stems once again. None of it working on President Trump, however. If anything, the Marxist stems' political persecution of Trump is helping the presumptive 2024 GOP presidential nominee. In the latest interactive polls survey, Trump wins over DeSantis by 41% in a seven-candidate field. 41%. Just 40%, however, in a two-way race. The latest morning consult poll has Trump ahead of DeSantis by only 33 points, but I think that's what you and I would still call a commanding lead for Mr. Trump. Trump with a surprise this week, filing a half-billion-dollar lawsuit against his former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, for breaking the attorney-client privilege for breaking his confidentiality agreement. A $500 million lawsuit against Michael Cohen. The man, attorney Robert Costello, once called a pathological liar in front of a grand jury. Our guest is that attorney. New York attorney Robert Costello, who is representing, among others, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani, to take up the Marxist Dems legal broadside against President Trump and, of course, those special counsel investigations. Bob, great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. 
any reaction to the breaking news that President Trump has sued his former attorney, Michael Cohen? Well, frankly, I'm, I'm surprised at this filing. I certainly had no idea this was coming. I understand that it's been filed down in Florida. Uh, until I read it, I really don't have any reaction to it because I don't know what they're alleging. So, you know, I'd just be talking in a vacuum here. It apparently goes to uh, breaches of the attorney-client privilege confidentiality agreements that uh, alleged uh, were, uh, you know, breached by Cohen. Uh, it, some people might look at it as simple retaliation. Uh, there's nothing simple about $500 million, however. You mentioned retaliation. You want to talk about retaliation. Take a look at the cover of Michael Cohen's newest book. It's called, and I said this to the DA's office because they seemed not to know. I said, the title of the book is Revenge. I said, you can't make this up. I said, well, I said that should cause you guys to pause. Just that, that this guy writes a book called Revenge, because that's what he's on. He's on a revenge tour. Well, revenge, uh, vindictiveness, whatever you would like to call it, the Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, is, uh, I mean, he has lumped together quite a, a lawsuit and now a rejected request for a temporary restraining order. I just would like to understand how a man has the temerity to talk about being harassed, harassed by the federal government uh, in the form of the Judiciary Committee, uh, when he has been part of a Marxist dim uh, political persecution that's now in its eighth year. That, I, I mean, that's beyond ironic, isn't it? It is, uh, especially because, you know, you would think that he would have pause when he's bringing an unprecedented criminal action against a former president of the United States, that it would only do so if he was on absolutely sure-footed legal and factual grounds. Clearly, that's not the case here. Uh, factually, he's relying upon Michael Cohn, who's an admitted perjurer, uh, and that doesn't include all of the lies that he told us and the fact that he told us the exact opposite story to the story he's told the grand jury about Donald Trump's involvement in the payment of $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. But not only is he on shaky factual grounds with, a, with a, as I said, a convicted perjurer, He's on shaky legal grounds uh, because this indictment has all sorts of flaws in it that are seen by both sides. I'm not just talking about Republican zealots pointing things out. I'm talking about people on CNN and MSNBC questioning the legality of Mr. Bragg's moves. There's problems with the statute of limitations. There's problems with the allegation that uh, these misdemeanors have been turned into felonies. There's, uh, you know, there's going to be problems about uh, the venue because it's going to be very difficult for Donald Trump to get a fair trial in Manhattan, which is entirely the reason why they're bringing it in Manhattan. Uh, there's problems about the selection of the judge in this case because uh, it's hardly a coincidence that this judge was the judge on not just the Trump organization case, but I haven't seen any of the media report that he's also the judge on the Steve Bannon case. And now he's the judge on the Donald Trump case. That's just rather extraordinary. It's like getting hit by lightning three times while standing in the same place. So there's lots of questions, legal and factual, that have to do with uh, this indictment. You know, I don't take a side here because I'm not representing Donald Trump or the Trump organizations. 
I know the left-wing media likes to paint likes to paint me as a Trump ally. I guess that's because you know I, I represent Rudy Giuliani and I have represented Steve Bannon, but that doesn't necessarily make me a Trump ally. I'm somebody who was telling the truth and brought that truth about Michael Cohen's difficulty telling the truth to both sides. I gave that information to the Trump lawyer, Miss Necklace, and I gave it to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And then I gave the Manhattan District Attorney's Office the courtesy of an hour and 20 minute Zoom meeting with them on the Friday before I testified. So they knew exactly what exculpatory information I was going to tell the grand jury on Monday, what was expected. But on Monday, when I went into the grand jury, they started asking me questions that would not have elicited that exculpatory information. Once I realized that, I realized that I had to expand my answers to include the exculpatory information because they certainly weren't going to elicit it with the questions they were bringing up. The other real problem that I noticed was I gave them 321 emails as well as at least four different, and I'm talking about 25 to 35 page typewritten memos of um, the meetings that I had with Michael Cohn initially at the Regency Hotel, and then thereafter the meeting that I had down in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, where uh, we were called because Michael Cohn had alleged to the Southern District of New York that Rudy Giuliani and I had conspired to obstruct justice by tampering with a witness, namely Michael Cohn. It's the same silly story that he's telling about uh, this dangling pardons in order to keep him quiet. Whereas the proof that we had, those emails that I talked about and those memoranda showed definitively that it was Michael Cohen who was pushing for me to ask Rudy Giuliani uh, about a pardon. And by the way, he says that that happened right off the bat at the Regency Hotel. Rudy Giuliani was not representing the president at that point in time. He only began representing Donald Trump about four days later. So there's just no substance to Michael Cohn's allegations, but that's why the U.S. Attorney's Office made him waive the attorney-client privilege. And once they heard from me and they saw the evidence, they decided that Michael Cohn was not worthy of belief. I was, and that's why they never did any more business with Michael Cohn. But the DA's office apparently hasn't learned that lesson. Uh, they should have. They should have consulted with the Southern District of New York, but they apparently did not because they didn't even know that Michael Cohn had waived the attorney-client privilege. And then, if you remember, Michael Cohn went on TV right after I went to the grand jury. He went on MSNBC and he claimed to Ari Melbert that he did not waive the attorney-client privilege, <laughs> which, of course, about an hour later, I held up on TV and showed his signature on uh, the Tucker Carlson show. So Michael Cohn continues to lie, yet the DA's office continues to rely upon him. And that's really foolish. I don't know why they're doing it. There's no explanation other than politics, because yeah, this I'm, certainly is not what normal lawyers would do in a situation like this. I wonder how many normal lawyers are in the Manhattan DA's office. Uh, they just uh, had their t request for a temporary restraining order uh, against the, uh, the Congressman Jordan and his committee uh, and had it rejected out of hand with the clear implication 
that the, under most circumstances, that TRO would at least required some hearing and some time for the judge to, to go through. Uh, out of hand, uh, she simply said no. Uh, your interpretation. Well, I, I don't think it's quite that simple. Uh, although she did turn down the TRO, I believe she set a date for a hearing on a preliminary injunction so that she could issue an injunction based upon her findings at that hearing. But it's certainly not a good sign for uh, the Manhattan DA's office or the Gibson Dunn firm, which appears to be representing them, I guess for free. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, the fact that you start off by losing your request for a temporary restraining order uh, is not a good sign. But we'll have to see what happens at the hearing, what facts are going to come out there. You know, we can't predict the future because we don't know what the facts are. But we'll find out soon. Yeah, absolutely. And we are talking with Robert Costello, a powerhouse New York attorney. Uh, we are talking about his testimony before the grand jury. Uh, and we're going to talk when we continue here in just one moment after these words from our sponsor about what made the grand jury decide as it did. Again, with Robert Costello, we continue in one moment. Please stay with us. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back now talking with Robert Costello. Bob, I want to I want to start with the grand jury, which decided to go ahead and indict the president, despite your powerful testimony before them, uh, pointing to the jury, uh, all of the all of the dis, uh, dissembling that he had done. Uh, the outright lies. You mentioned over 300 uh, emails, which uh, I, I'm grateful to you for sharing some of those with me. And I have to say, it's, it's mind-numbing to see the documentary evidence that you had with you to think that they could come to a conclusion that he was in any way believable. What was your reaction to the jury's decision? Well, listen, uh, this wasn't my first rodeo with grand juries. But uh, it was my first rodeo with a state grand jury, and they were sitting there. We counted actually 21 people were present when I was testifying, not 23. Um, and all they need at the end of the day is a majority. They need 12 votes out of 23 to go ahead. And you know the old saying that you know a grand jury would indict a ham sandwich if the district attorney or the U.S. attorney recommends it. And that's exactly what was to be expected here. Quite frankly, it was a long shot that they would do anything other than what the DA intended from the beginning. But I thought that I was under an obligation to bring the truth as I knew it to their attention, 
but I don't think all of my truth uh, got to their attention, which is the basis for another motion to dismiss the indictment, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, the grand jury sat there when when we had an issue when the DA was putting into evidence six of the 321 emails. I said to him in front of a court reporter, and the grand jurors are seated in front of me like in a classroom, and I'm seated at the what would be the teacher's desk, and the assistant DA who's asking the questions is to my left. My left. I said, are you going to put in the other 315 emails? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And this is all in front of the grand jury and the court reporter. And he said, uh, because they contain inadmissible evidence. I said, like what? And he said, hearsay. I said, really? In that case, you'll be interested in the following two sentences, that these documents were made in the regular course of business. And it was the regular course of business to make and maintain documents such as these at or about the dates indicated on the documents. That is the way that we introduce documents like this all the time into evidence. It turns those documents into business records. And I then turned to him and I said, and you know, because these are now business records, you know, and I know, but the grand jurors don't know that business records are an exception to the hearsay rule. And therefore, your basis for denying these documents to the grand jurors doesn't have any basis. I think you should turn them over now. And then I turned to the grand jury and I said, and you people should demand that they turn over the, not only those documents, but the other memos that I gave to both Trump's lawyers and to the Manhattan DA's office. You people should be entitled to read all of that. So you really understand who the real Michael Cohen is and how he acts on a day-to-day -day basis when he thinks no one is looking and no one will ever see these email conversations. I said, that's what you should be looking at. Now, I'm pretty sure that they did not turn that material over to the grand jury because they announced that they wouldn't. And if they did not do that, they have therefore failed to turn exculpatory information over to the grand jury. And that's a basis in and of itself to dismiss the indictment. So it's, it was really a foolish move on their part, but I think that's what they did. I can't be assured that that's what they did because I don't know what happened after I walked out of the grand jury room. But it's, it's pretty likely that that's the case. It's a brazen district attorney's office that uh, ignores procedure, uh, rules, uh, and the law uh, all in one swoop. Uh, you mentioned 23 jurors. I don't think most people have no reason there to. There were 21 there. Yeah. Uh, 23, though, is the requirement for uh, most uh, for New York judges, uh, right. I mean, for jurors in the uh, uh, in New York State for a grand jury. And to have 23, as you said, that almost assures that that ham sandwich will be uh, indicted. It is it's onerous to begin with. Why do we tolerate that level of, uh, well, I would say vulnerability in the system? in favor of well, the prosecutor. Yeah, the, the reality is that, you know, an indictment is just the charge. It's not supposed to have any more significance than just being a charge to basically start off the criminal proceeding. However, the media turns an indictment into a conviction immediately in the media. He's been charged with X, Y, and Z, and therefore he must be guilty. I mean, that's the general impression. That's why people try to avoid indictments. But really, the significance of an indictment legally is not much. 
It's just like the filing of a complaint in a civil case. It's just a number of allegations. It doesn't mean that they're true. It just means this is, these are the issues that we require a judge and a jury to decide. And once we decide those issues, we'll see whether the law then says that we have to pay a penalty if it's a civil case, or we go to jail or face jail time if it's a criminal case. But really, an indictment is not that significant of a step, except in the public eye. You know, obviously, your reputation is immediately impacted. Right. Yes. And because of the the vast power of the corporate left-wing media, uh, in in collusion with big law and lawfare, uh, it's quite it's quite more than a passing piece of paper. Now it is part of the what has become uh, the censure uh, culture, the cancel culture. Uh, it is an extra- extraordinary. I would argue that it's an extraordinarily uh, powerful uh, uh, device now in the hands of an Alvin Bragg, uh, for example, uh, to bring. Uh, and I'd like to go to that point now. And what happens next? We know that the motions for dismiss are going to be coming. Everything you've told us about the process, uh, just getting the indictment, there there doesn't seem to be any reason in the world why a judge who is fair and just uh, would let this move on. But we're talking about New York right now, and we're talking about an entirely different process, aren't we? Uh, apparently we are, and uh, it, it appears that the DA's office is relying on that, which is why they probably suggested that this Trump indictment was a related case to the Trump organization case. I don't frankly think it is, except for the name Trump being in both places, uh, in order to secure that same judge. Obviously, they liked his rulings, and I didn't follow that Trump organization case on a daily basis, so I don't. I really am not familiar with his rulings, but it's clear that the DA likes him, and they like his rulings, and they like his proclivities, and that's why they managed to get him assigned to this particular case. Um, if we had a fair and neutral arbiter, uh, I think all of the talking heads on both sides of the equation, on MSNBC, CNN, uh, Fox, Everybody seems to agree that this indictment is riddled with holes and should be dismissed. Will it? Only time will tell. It really depends. You know, perhaps this is a moment for a profile and courage with whoever the judge is that winds up with this case, whether it's Judge Marshan, who currently has it, or if they replace him with somebody else, because that judge will be criticized in the media if he dismisses the indictment. You can see the headlines now. This is the person that led Trump get away with something. No, in fact, the truth of the matter is, this is an indictment that never should have been brought because it was legally and factually deficient. And, you know, it's going to take a guy with some guts and courage to do that. And I just, I don't know the judge in question. I've never appeared before him. I don't know much about him, so I can't say whether he's that kind of a guy or not. I hope he is. I hope he can be fair. Yeah, I would like that too, but he doesn't have a record that would suggest anything approaching that level of integrity, frankly. Uh, and we know that we've got now another de- President Trump will be in New York uh, taking a, a taking a deposition. The the state attorney general, uh, Letitia James, uh, in, in another case, uh, alleging business fraud. Suddenly, business fraud is the order of the day. Uh, your reaction to that? 
Well, it's interesting because that, I believe that's the same case in which last week, Michael Cohn, the same Michael Cohn that's appearing everywhere, Michael Cohn refused to participate in a deposition, claiming that the papers were defective. This is a, a uh, disbarred attorney making a claim that the papers were defective. So now uh, they want to put Donald Trump to testify in a deposition before Michael Cohn testifies. Well, I'm pretty sure that you're going to find that Trump's lawyers will make a motion to stay uh, those proceedings because of the indictment in the criminal case, which obviously affects everything. Uh, and certainly this stay um, President Trump's deposition until after Michael Cohn's deposition. And Michael Cohn's deposition may be very interesting in light of the fact that his credibility has been challenged and they will undoubtedly find out at the deposition what he testified to in the grand jury. I'm sure those subject areas will be covered. So you can we're see talking, that one case impacts the other. Right. We're talking with Robert Costello. Please stay with us. We're coming right back after this brief message from our sponsors. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back now talking with Robert Costello. Bob, let, let's talk about the, the, the New York bar and what is going on. It looks like it's as politically corrupt as any, any jurisdiction uh, in, in the country. Your thoughts about the New York State Bar? Well, when you say the New York State Bar, are you talking about the lawyers or are you talking about I'm the talking judges? About the, I'm talking about the judges. I'm talking about the prosecutors. Well, um, you know, it's, it's really impossible to make a generalization. There are, I'm sure, some really excellent, fine judges, many of them, uh, and there are probably a few that aren't so fine. But uh, I don't want to make a generalized remark because that would require that I have knowledge of all of the different judges, and I don't. I mean, I've, I've obviously dealt with quite a number of them, but not everybody. So I think making a generalization would be a mistake. Uh, there are, Unfortunately, though, in New York, uh, judges are selected politically. Um, you don't get on the ballot. They're elected, but you don't get on the ballot without the approval of the local Democratic Party. Uh, and I think that means if you're a normal human being, you have an allegiance to those people who put you in that position to get you elected as a state Supreme Court judge or an appellate division judge or even a court of appeals judge. It's human nature to recognize that you owe something to the people who put you in that position. Does it influence your decision? Sometimes it will. Hopefully, most of the time it won't. But, you know, you have to judge that on an indiv individual basis and an individual case basis. 
And I think it's a mistake to make a generalized proclamation. Well, you know, Alan Dershowitz, uh, who I've known a very long time, made just such a generalization uh, saying it's impossible for uh, for President Trump to get a fair trial in the state of New York for those very reasons. And, uh, and that's Dershowitz's view. I would like to join you in your idealism. Uh, frankly, I've seen nothing in, in the evidence that suggests that a fair trial is in any way possible for anyone uh, who does not have both uh, the proper uh, ideological and partisan uh, uh, labels attached, uh, as well as a pretty good, uh, uh, pretty good sized wallet as well. Uh, it's a very difficult state to prevail, in, in my opinion. But that's my opinion. I do know Alan Dershowitz, so I've had matters with him. Uh, and I'd like to point out for the record that Alan lives in Massachusetts and not in New York. <laughs> well, I think that is, I <laughs> think therefore, that is. He can cast, he can, he can sling arrows from Massachusetts, but I live in New York and I practice in New York and uh, I don't want to make the same generalization. I hope I'm right. Counselor, I, I think you're not only yes. right, but I think you're a very, uh, a, a very courageous attorney, as well as, uh, well, quick to find uh, mitigating evidence. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I both salute you and thank you for that. I, I want to turn to though the the president and what lies before him now. The so many cases we have the uh, the special counsel cases on Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and January 6th, we have Letitia James, her civil case. We have uh, Alvin Bragg, this prosecution. We have Fulton County in Georgia uh, as well. These cases are, it looks to me, to be not a thing of happenstance. They look as orchestrated as they can be uh, to the to the detriment of President Trump and to the benefit of the Marxist Dems uh, political uh, regime of Biden and uh, and all in the Democrat Party. Your thoughts? Well, I agree with you on that. I mean, if you look out there, you say to yourself, isn't it interesting that not one of these criminal investigations is being brought by a Republican district attorney or a Republican U.S. attorney? Uh, so you have this consistent wave of attacks. I have a client, Rudy Giuliani, who's involved in many of these same venues, and I explained to him that the objective here, the punishment is the process. They don't have to convict you of anything. All they have to do is make allegations and cause you to be investigated and cause you to spend a fortune on attorney's fees and run out the clock because they seem to have unlimited resources. But these individuals do not have unlimited resources. So the process winds up destroying your reputation for example, Rudy Giuliani was investigated criminally by the Southern District of New York for almost three years. I tried to nip that investigation in the bud the first day I heard about it. We offered to go in and waive the Fifth Amendment and answer any questions that they had. We were so confident Rudy Giuliani did nothing wrong that we said, we'll waive the Fifth Amendment. We'll come in and answer any question you have about any topic. One proviso, all you have to do is tell us what the subject matter is, because Rudy Giuliani's involved in about 10,000 different things, and he's not 29 years old anymore. So we just need a little advance notice to know what subject you want to talk about. But we'll waive the Fifth Amendment. And I thought we could put that investigation to bed right then and there. They refused to do that. This lingered on for three years, and for three years, 
in the newspapers and on the media, it was said Rudy Giuliani is under criminal investigation by the Southern District of New York, the same office he once led as the United States Attorney. Ultimately, we wound up where we gave an interview, we did exactly what I promised to do three years before, and the U.S. Attorney's Office, after having reviewed 26 years worth of his electronic records, couldn't find a single thing to charge him with, and they did the decent thing of making a public statement, which they don't normally do, saying we've investigated and we're not bringing any charges against them. Yet this man's reputation has been destroyed over that three-year time period. The same thing is happening all over the country to anybody that was associated with Trump. They're all received, they're being investigated by disciplinary committees, civil lawsuits are being brought. How about this one? This civil lawsuit, one of the ones that's being brought against Giuliani is being brought by those two election workers, Ruby Freeman and her daughter from Fulton County, Georgia. And they're being represented by one of the major law firms in the United States. How is that possible that these two part-time workers can afford one of the most expensive law firms in the United States going after and raising everything possible in that civil lawsuit. That's just an example. That's happening to Rudy Giuliani in that case. Was that Perkins Coy? No, no, no. Perkins Coy is uh, is not the the firm in question. It's, All right. Uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to mention it. the firm because there's many, many nice people, good people there. But I cannot explain how a firm of that magnitude and that expense can be represented. I'm sure it's the only defamation case that firm has ever brought in their history. But they're doing it to get Rudy Giuliani because Rudy Giuliani was Donald Trump's lawyer. And that's just unfortunate. That's using the process as the punishment, trying to destroy these people uh, financially and reputationally. And that's that's, if you look, that's what you see happening day in, day out. I think it's a fair I, I think it's fair to say that right now uh, America the American people American citizens uh working men and women the middle class don't have any constitutional rights uh that they can't if they don't have the money to pay for a lawyer if they don't have those resources uh they might as well not have a constitution or or law because lawfare is being waged every day uh, and it will destroy this country, in my opinion, uh, sooner rather than later, irrespective, irrespective of what other foreign uh, enemies and domestic uh, ratchet up their attacks on our great republic. I want to ask for your concluding thoughts on that, uh, if you would. Well, I think it's shame because if you if you look, you will see that everybody associated with Donald Trump every lawyer, accountant, everybody is getting investigated. People like Rudy Giuliani, for example, gets his license to practice law suspended in New York for now two years without a hearing. Amazing. And you say to yourself, is this America? I'm looking around for the country that I grew up in because I don't see that country these days. I think that the statement you made is fundamentally correct. It, they're abusing the legal system to go after their enemies, and that shouldn't be tolerated. And frankly, I don't understand the Democrats doing that, because sooner or later, they know that the tide will turn and the Republicans will be in power. And do they want the Republicans to do to them what they've done to the Republicans? I don't think that's good for the country. It's certainly not. You can't have a conversation these days 
If you're a Democrat, you can't talk to a Republican. If you're a Republican, you can't talk to a Democrat. And that's crazy. I mean, that didn't exist when I was growing up. And we could discuss issues and we could actually disagree with one another, but we'd be reasonable and respectful of the other person's opinion. And once in a while, they might actually convince you that they were right and you were wrong. But that doesn't seem to exist anymore. Nobody wants to listen to the other side. That's unfortunate. Could, could I impose on you for one, one other question? Uh, and that sure. is about our law schools that seem to have moved entirely to, to the left. Uh, they are Marxist. They have, uh, and frankly, I was unaware of this uh, group of people until recently, but the National Lawyers Guild has shown up in now some hundred of our law schools. Uh, they and their origins uh, were, frankly, communist. And they're having a significant impact. And many professors belong to those guilds uh, in those uh, universities. How how concerned should we be about what they represent and their influence on uh, young lawyers coming out of our law schools? Well, you should be very concerned about that because they're only hearing one side of the equation at a time when their opinions are being formed, you know, as students. Now, it's been a long time since I've been in law school, and when I was in law school, we didn't have organizations like that proselytizing to the law students. And I think it's about time that they return to simply teaching the law and keep their political philosophies out of the classrooms. Let people decide for themselves. We're smart enough as a group of people, as American citizens, to do that. We don't need uh, somebody just politicking in our face constantly. You know, when I was growing up, we used to call that propaganda. And we used to see little videos about how the Russians were doing that. Uh, and we would laugh at them. Look at these people being propagandized all the time. Well, that's happening, unfortunately, in our school systems. And it's, it has no place there. Um, they should let young minds develop just learning the law and forming their own opinions based upon their own eyes and ears. They don't have to be told how to think. They can think for themselves, and they should start doing it again. And unfortunately, the process is being played out not only in law schools, but uh, throughout higher education and now our public schools as well. Robert Costello, you're a great American. We thank you for spending some time with us. We appreciate your thoughts, as always. Uh, God bless you, and great talking with you. Thank you, Lou. It's been my pleasure. Thanks to Robert Costello. Here tomorrow, we'll be talking with Joe McBride, who represents a number of January 6th defendants, about the Biden regime's legal savagery against those political prisoners. So please be with us. Till then, thank you for listening. God bless you, and God bless America. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.